you know, then I'll work with this client on on this sort of project. So it's I think it's also because there's like lots of little things that are all different that I can dip in and out of. And I think that's a lot of where that like the passion comes from as well. It's never just the, the same thing that I'm doing every day. Welcome to Unmiss, your go to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky, here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your online game. Let's get started. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, welcome. Today, we have a very important topic about website speed. It's very important because most users are impatient. They don't want to wait when your website can show the content. And according to data, uh, websites can lose 20% of conversion rate for each second of loading. So it's very important. That is why when you open Amazon, you can find a lot of content and get everything immediately. <laughs> Amazon pays so much attention to this topic, invest billion dollars to increase website speed because Amazon knows how it's important to have this speed. I'm so excited to discuss a lot more with Nikki Halliwell. How are you? Hi. Yeah, good. Thanks. Um, yes, yeah, same as you. Really excited to, to talk about site speed and you know what ways that we can optimize that for for all of our clients and the the massive difference that it can make. Yeah, nice, nice. Nikki, you spoke on my podcast. That was valuable. I love. So I decided to invite you one more time to learn more about uh, technical optimization, about website speed, about importance, why we need to pay attention to that. And uh, I want to start from average data and um, even not average data about this well-known tool, PageSpeed uh, Insights. Many people can use this tool to check and uh, sometimes people are crazy about uh, data or uh, measurement of this tool when they can't get a green line sometimes people want to get a hundred percent but when i check amazon as i mentioned before amazon can be in the red line but amazon still uh, is loading fast so can you tell uh, how it's important to check uh, optimization with uh, page speed insights and uh, how it's important to be in green line or even to have this a hundred percent yeah, I think it's a good question. And this, it touches on the problem that I have with PageSpeed Insights as the, the first thing you see when you test any website is the green line. So you see the score out of 100%. And that's all people tend to focus on. And I think that's where the problem is with this tool. Because you can quite easily manipulate that score to make it look like you've got 100 out of 100. But actually, in terms of timings, your website is still really slow, like the example that you just gave with, with Amazon. So, you know, they spend billions on it every year. But when you test it, it may look like their site speed is poor, but it's, it's not. Because, you know, certainly not when, when I use Amazon. That's why I end up shopping there more often than I should, because it's so much faster than a lot of the other websites. For me, I prefer to focus on actual timings rather than a score out of 100 because that you know 100 out of 100 doesn't mean anything but if i can see that my site speed is now fully loaded within 1.8 seconds versus five seconds then obviously that's something that's much more measurable so as much as i do use page speed insights and i think it is a valuable tool don't get caught up with trying to get the perfect score because there is no such thing as a perfect score even if you get a score out of 100 that doesn't mean job done you never have to look at site speed again Absolutely not. There will always be things to work on. 
So scroll down on PageSpeed Insights, look at the actual timings that it's given you, but also you can use plenty of other tools uh, that will help you and give you insights that are not just focused on these perfect scores. So for example, I use things like GT Metrics, mm -hmm. I use Web Page Test, and all of these other tools that just allow you to see the data in a different way. And I find that that's much more valuable and it's something that I'm able to communicate to my clients a lot better as well. Because I would otherwise, you know, you have the same issue of like, okay, you know, we've got a score of 30, but how do we get to 100? 100 doesn't matter. 100 isn't going to help your conversions. But getting yeah. from five seconds to 1.8 seconds, that's what's going to help your conversions. Yeah, nice, nice. Love it, love it. Nikki, uh, you mentioned about metrics. Uh, I shared uh, page speed insights. We have many other tools. And can you list your loving tools that you use? for technical optimization, to check website speed, because I see when webmaster use a lot of them, it might confuse where to start, what to fix. And my loving tool, by the way, Google Search Console. I start everything there, then I can check with other tools. So let us know your loving tools and how to use them right. Definitely, I like uh, Google Search Console. I think that's a really good one to mention, actually. So I'm, I'm glad that, that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, GT Metrics is usually one of my first go-to tools. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, same with webpagetest.org. Um, I used to use um, WebDev, um, but that's now been combined a little bit more with like the Lighthouse tests. Uh, what else have we got? There's so many site speed tools. Um, the mobile-friendly test is also uh, another interesting one to mention. So that's now been depreciated. That one's not available anymore. Um, but that doesn't mean that we don't need to focus on mobile. That's like a, another thing that, that we can talk about. There's others like Pingdom. We have Gift of Speed, Speed Curve. You know, there's, there's plenty of tools out there and most of them are free as well, at least free to start with. And then you can you can upgrade if you need to. But yeah, my my top two outside of, of Search Console is um, webpagetest.org and, and GT Metrics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. And can you list advantages of using uh, your living tools, uh, why you use them, because I think other tools can show the same metrics. And I, I'm interested about uh, keyword research tools that still have uh, website optimization uh, tips like HRF, SEMrush, because I see customers who use these tools. Uh, is it a good idea to use data from HRFs or it's better to pay attention to tools that you mentioned that only share technical optimization tips? I do use these other tools, but for site speed, personally, I do prefer to stick to those because they are specialized in tech. They're specialized in measuring site speed. So I find that I can trust the information a lot more and it tends to more closely align with what I see when I'm testing as well. And I also like that with most of these tools, you can change your location so you can test from where I am now in the UK, but I can also test from where the client might be based. For example, I might be here in the UK, but the client is based in New York. Um, I have another client who actually they're based in Amer in uh, Australia, but their target audience is America. So by using these tools, I can set the different locations so that then I can measure the site speed as them, as site owners and as their target audience can use it. So that's why I like to use those specialized tools. And actually, there's another one that, that I haven't mentioned, which is called Debug Bear. And that one's really useful because that allows you to track the site speed over time. 
so you can really see it on a graph you know how it's changed throughout the month or throughout the the course of the quarter and that's really useful especially if you're working on a site speed project you can see when things started to improve or equally when the problem started so that you know you need to take action and they're, they're really useful um for just getting uh data that you can visualize in different ways and being able to translate that in a way that your your clients can understand as well mm, nice nice uh you know for non-technical people and i have most customers are not technical they don't know uh they, or don't understand data from these tools can you tell how to choose priorities because it doesn't matter what kind of tool i use i can get a uh, hundred tips what to fix uh, but it's tough to understand for someone who is not familiar with that uh, probably most clients are good with developing creating products in specific niches uh, and uh, they don't know what to fix where to start and how to do it right so can you tell how to choose priorities which metrics are important to fix uh, or data and uh, which we we can ignore uh, and uh, who can do it i mean like in the right way <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's so many metrics, isn't there? I found um, time to first bite to be a really interesting one to start with. So that measures, it's basically looking at your server and how long it takes your, your server to respond. And that will tell you where the issue is. Um, a really good test that I perform actually is I run my site, uh, my whole website through one of these site speed tools that we just mentioned. And then I do the same test with just my robots.txt URL because that's a very plain page. It's not going to be heavy because it's just a robots.txt. And then that allows me to see where the issue is because if the fully loaded time on that robots.txt page is really slow, I know that the issue is going to be on the server. Whereas if it's fast, um, but my homepage is slow, then I know that it's it's going to be an issue with the homepage, you know, the content rather than, than the server. So that gives me a really good starting point and then I can go down various rabbit holes with that but that one's really useful in terms of getting people to understand you know where to start it's it's different with every website but it, especially if there's somebody that's not very technical and you know you don't want to be going to them and saying you need to do this with your javascript you've got an issue with this file that needs minification because they're just going to look at you and be like i don't know what any of that means how am i supposed to communicate that to to my developers so what I find actually, one of the really effective things to do is to start with images. Images is something that everybody can understand and they're more often than not one of the heaviest resources on a page. Hopefully everyone by now understands that with a website you need to make sure that they're optimized. Don't load huge, huge images. You need to make sure that they're dealt with efficiently. So by starting with that, once you've implemented whatever fixes you need with your images, whether it's um, making sure that they're lazy loaded, whether it's, you know, just actually reducing the file size, whatever it is, once you've done that and you've seen those results, then you'll find that your client will be much more receptive to the recommendations that you're making. And then they'll be open to listening to you when you then go back to them and be like, right, now we need to do this with the code. So it's a really effective way to just get them to trust you really. Yeah, nice. You know, Nikki, I, I, I love your passion because I see people are coming from the home. <laughs> so it's night because uh, I don't know which time you have right now. Uh, I'm in the office at the minute. It's uh, 4.15 p.m. Ah, OK, 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 got it. So, yeah, I'm in Florida. 
we have nice. time difference. But yeah, um, I, I like your passion because people are crossing passion, <laughs> but you keep sharing this valuable insight. And Nikki, I want to ask about uh, server issue. And uh, I want to share a specific example because right now we are working on uh, one big project. Um, we'll see this project soon. It's AI tool that will check all website, including technical optimization, and will update content for uh, pages because uh, we work a lot with investing trading niches and we got great results uh, on this direction. For example, one website, we grew traffic from zero, completely zero to uh, plus 2000 people a day. You know, yeah, when we have competitors, a billion dollar companies, big companies, but we found the way how we can compete, how we can take a small piece of this pie, you know. But anyway, uh, we found uh, one issue. Uh, we have a server in a well-known website, not like Amazon, but most web developers uh, told that we can fix some problems. We need to uh, transfer everything to uh, Amazon. Uh, to use this server uh, and um, can you tell me why or people uh, because we, we need to pay more for Amazon that's okay if we need we, we will do it uh, no worries about that but uh, uh, can you tell what kind of benefits Amazon or uh, other popular tools can have compared to others and why uh, other services can decide such issue if you have experience on that of course yeah, I can talk about it a little bit. I mean, it just comes down to having a more robust server. So it's able to accommodate more more bandwidth. You can have more traffic on there and it's not going to fall over when you know, you're know you adding new elements to the site and, and expanding it in terms of the design and the technology that's on the website and also just the amount of visitors that, can't, that, that come to it. That can be where you struggle sometimes. So by paying more for a robust server from Amazon or from somebody else, you're less likely to, to have those issues. And because it's more powerful, it's able to load the resources that you have that little bit quicker. Mm -hmm. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Nikki, I wanna ask about your strong side. You know, we have a lot of great experts in technical optimization. Uh, I don't know how many, probably a million people, you know, can work on this niche, a lot of them. But I think everyone has own strong side, can lead projects in the right direction. I want to ask about your strong side. Uh, can you tell why you're better than a million other people and how you can help much better than others? <laughs> you can't have me saying that I'm better than everybody else. Screw everybody else, come to me. Um, I can't say that. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. There's There's so many people here, but I think it comes down to the passion that you mentioned so you know i i have several different jobs all within within seo because you know i'll i'll finish here in about an hour or two and then then i'll go home and then i'll still be doing seo work and on my other various projects and my wife is always telling me to pack it in and watch tv and spend some time with with her and the family but yeah like i i do i i really enjoy seo i spend a lot of time doing it because like you said because i am passionate about it but the i think the key is actually being able to to talk to people um, and you know to translate the issues and understand them and that doesn't matter whether you're talking to a client or a developer or somebody that's completely new to the industry whoever your audience is whoever the stakeholders are you need to be able to communicate with them 
anybody can sit down and read from a list of issues and and tell them that you know PageSpeed Insights is saying that you've got an issue with with your JavaScript again. You know, you you need to make sure that that's being managed, and they can read out what that says. But then your client's going to turn around and say, okay, but what does that mean? And that's not going to be written on PageSpeed Insights. So you need to be able to explain that, but more importantly, explain it in the, in a way that they're going to understand. And that's where the difference comes in. And that's why you have people like myself and a lot of the other people that you've had on this podcast who are more expert in in these sorts of um, in these sorts of areas. And that's that's the insight that, that you need, someone that's really going to help you understand it, but also someone that's going to help you see it through to completion and not just say, fix this, and then yeah. go home and then and then you never hear from them again. You need someone that's going to actually work with you all the way through it until it's completed and then test it as well once it's done so you can actually see the results. And yeah, yeah I think all of that is, is where you see such big differences. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm interested about your passion you mentioned that you can uh, come home without spending time with your family you can keep uh, optimizing websites to work in SEO because um, sometimes I get the question how you can be passionate about digital marketing or SEO if it's boring I don't think it's boring uh, for me it's up you know if you uh, love what you do if you uh, enjoy the process and you know I like more the process then uh, rewards of course i like rewards too but i don't think it's a good idea to work because of rewards uh, if you get them it, it's short effect nothing special okay i got it uh, i love it but i need to enjoy the process can you tell how you can enjoy the process uh, at home okay you're at home spend time with your family watch tv i don't know L love this life but but, but why are you still working on seo <laughs> I guess I'm just a nerd, um, but no, I just I like that with SEO that there's it's it's never a black and white answer. There's always something that you can dig into and and find out and go down that rabbit hole. Or even if you fix something a hundred times on one website, you might come across this other that although they have the same issue, you can't fix it in the same way because they have a different piece of technology or because there's something going on internally. Um, you know, like internal politics or something that that means that you can't approach it in the same way. So then you've got to find different ways around it. I guess I'm just that, that nerdy that I just like finding those different ways to do it. And I, I just find it hard sometimes to, to switch off my brain. Like if I know that I have a lot of things to do, I can be sat, you know, in front of the, the telly with my family watching our favorite shows. But in the back of my mind, it's like, yeah, but there's that one thing. So then I'll, I will, I'll just sit next to them and, and get my laptop out and just do it quickly. But then, you know, the, there is definitely that time where I know that I need to, okay, turn the laptop off and, and sit down and I, I do do that I do it very well but also I have like several different websites and you know they're almost like my little babies and I can just tweak this bit here and tweak that this bit there and you know then I'll work with this client on on this sort of project so it's I think it's also because there's like lots of little things that are all different that I can dip in and out of and I think that's a, a lot of where that like the passion comes from as well it's never just the, the same thing that I'm doing every day mm -hmm. yeah awesome awesome Love it, love it. Uh, Nikki, I want to ask about uh, security. Uh, the last time uh, we met a few situations when some websites were broken. And, um, and uh, you know, of course, uh, it's better to pay attention to, I don't know, like uh, to preparation, uh, to prepare your website to secure with uh, plugins, with uh, server issues, uh, than to treat because uh, yeah, 
but anyway if it happens uh, can you advise what to do because uh, you know it's tough to find this uh malwares and some i remember when uh, we spent three months three months to fix the project because even uh google search console other tools didn't show this malware but we found that hrefs can uh, uh show some pages uh some uh, backlinks that are coming from our website then we found new pages appealed uh, and this malware changed some settings in um uh, WordPress plugins <laughs> that was the most toughest challenge part uh, in this job uh, to fix everything like we spent three months then we decided to uh, get back the previous version and add this content one more time you know yeah that was really tough can you tell uh, if you have experience with security uh, how to uh, secure website uh, because it can impact to technical optimization as well and we found if you set up any plugins uh, or um, even to use some process it can impact to technical optimization any tips about that <laughs> i think that's the problem that you can have sometimes with wordpress sites isn't it like it's easy to set up access for lots of different users and anybody can make changes and then you're like well who's added this plugin what does this plugin even do and then you might have two different plugins that do the same thing, but they're actually conflicting with each other. And then you make a quick change on there and it takes the whole site down. So yeah, it's, it can definitely be be difficult. I mean, I think regardless of whether it's a WordPress site or, or another CMS, try and limit who has access or the level of access that everybody has. Don't make everyone an admin. Perhaps they just need to be an editor so they can see things but not change things. But then you can also have a change log. WordPress and other CMSs do it quite well and it's relatively easy to set up, but then you can see, okay, user Nikki made a change within this plugin and you know, this user here made made this change. And then you can actually, it can be a lot easier to see where, where the change come from and actually who might have been responsible for it. But then when you know where it come from, you can see when it was, how it affected your data, how it affected the performance, and then you can make more informed decisions about how you can actually fix that and try to stop it happening again in future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, got it. And, and yeah, I, I want to ask only questions that I have personal experience uh, in my practice because my customers and I personally had many issues. Uh, and uh, uh, the main question about migration, you know, when you need to migrate the old website to a new one. And um, we were with one project and uh, we decided to rebrand. Uh, the main reason was uh, a few reasons. A few reasons but the main reason uh was even website owner uh didn't like the name of website so it's just a long name uh i don't remember how many letters like uh, plus 20 uh letters on this domain name and uh, it was uh some kind of keyword uh but uh he didn't like this uh domain it didn't help to rank on google nothing so uh, we decided to change the name and we switched to short name from dopcom long uh, to short uh, dopbiz and uh, this website uh, today ranks well uh, but what uh, what we uh, found today uh, this redirect 301 redirect from the previous domain to a new one uh, was broken and it happened uh, nobody could uh, find it out uh, for a few months we lost a lot of links uh, uh, and uh, 
uh, we spent so much time to acquire these links, we created this redirect, then when it happened, we lost them, we lost some uh, domain authority, that was weird, we didn't lose traffic, but we lost domain authority, probably it can impact as well, I don't know exactly, but uh, I want to ask you how to control the process, because uh, it's not like, okay, uh, we migrated, redirect works, everything is fine, but it's not the first time when redirect is broken in some time. We uh, met such issue a few times. Can you tell how to control or how to uh, set up redirect that uh, will not broken, will be break one more time? So, where did you set up the redirects? And that do you know where where they were controlled? Uh, we controlled in our hosting. So that was um, we couldn't control in uh, registrator. I mean, like domain registrator on GoDaddy because you can set up only uh, to a new domain. I mean, like without uh, redirecting all pages to new pages uh, in registrator. But in hosting, it's possible, and uh, that was important to set up um, SSL uh, certificates. Uh, you know, um, uh, from uh, two versions, HTTP and HTTPS, two new versions. So yeah, we did it on uh, server. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, that's what, that would have been my first question. To, um, you know, where are they controlled? Because I've seen it in the past where people have controlled these redirects within WordPress and then they've deleted that site because they've they've done the done the migration and then well, yeah, that's why your redirects don't work is because you've you've got rid of that site. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, so if it's on the, are they both hosted with with the same hosting yeah. provider? Yes. And nobody deleted the redirects that were implemented and, and left. You know, uh, we have plus four developers. Uh, I mean, like four developers who can work uh, the full time, and a few developers can help. We outsource them. Uh, so uh, we didn't know how it happened, but it happened anyway. Uh, the main question: It's not like uh, how to avoid such issue. If it happens, that's okay. But I mean, like, how to uh, find out? Because it's tough to uh, open these redirects every single day manually to check if everything uh, is fine. I mean, like, how to control? Because if it happens and we can fix it in this day or in the next day, that's okay. That's perfectly fine. But if we fix after a few months, oh yeah, it can impact the project. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, a lot of it comes down to obviously you'll do your, your like your post migration checks after it's happened. For me, when I'm working on a migration, I don't just do my post migration checks once. I'll do them again like a month later and just make sure that all the redirects are still working and that everything else is still in a good position that we want it to be. But also just keeping an eye on your your analytics, like just spending five, ten minutes every morning just doing like top level health checks. Is everything still working? Do things look good in, in your analytics? Are we still at the same sort of level? If you start to see things declining, then that's why you can start to dig in straight away and find where these issues are rather than waiting and, until it's too late. But honestly, those like five, ten minutes in the morning, just doing a little bit of, of digging around can can make a huge difference, especially if you annotate in your analytics when you you made this migration or any major change. It doesn't have to be a migration, but any change that happens, you should be annotating it with analytics. And then it's so much easier to see when things start to go good or when things start to go bad. 
and then you can start to like reverse engineer it. So okay, this is, things are going bad now. Start at number one. Am I redirect still working? Yes. Okay. What's next? What else could be affecting this? Is it something with the content? Are things not rendering properly? But then you know start working through your checks that way again and just figure out where things have gone wrong. And like I say, it's not just a case of doing your post migration checks once. Do it again on month two. If you need to do it again on month three, do it until you're fully happy with everything. But when you're, when you're doing like a, a domain change as well, set it up within Google Search Console. You can do, um, oh, what's it called? Like a domain transfer. No, it's not what it's called. Change of name. I can't remember what it's called. Change of name mm -hmm. in, in Google Search Console. So it transfers all of the old data that it has with the, with the old domain to the new domain. And that'll allow you to really keep track of everything within the one account without having to keep switching between accounts. And that's really useful for, for keeping track of everything as well. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome, love it, love it. Uh, uh, and uh, one more thing, we found some tools online where you can uh, add your previous URLs, uh, past URLs, and these tools can send alerts. Um, and yeah, I don't know how it works. We didn't test it, but we set up alerts. <laughs> we will see <laughs> if it happens. Uh, I can share more insights about that. Uh, Nikki, I want to ask about AI. Um, uh, once I got a question from my customer, he uh, asked on Bart uh, about technical optimization tips. So basically on Bart, you can today add your URL and ask Bart, please check technical optimization. Uh, and what I found, uh, most of these tips are so generic, nothing special. Probably Bart is not ready to check URLs like experts can do uh, and even some tips were misleading. I mean, like uh, you need to write a title like this, you need to write a description like that. And uh, everything uh, is connected with uh, average data. Nothing, it's not like personal experience uh, without personalization. Can you tell how to use AI today uh, in technical optimization in the right way? Because, you know, in writing, it's a must have. I use BART, I use ChatGPT, but uh, of course I check everything manually. I can spend time to uh, edit and, for example, we use uh, ChatGPT for PR uh, and we edit press releases on um, ChatGPT. Basically, I write bad copy, very bad copy, a lot of grammar mistakes. <laughs> then I ask ChatGPT, please uh, uh, edit all my copy. And we got mentions on many big websites like CNN, Bloomberg, uh, CoinDesk, uh, Yahoo Finance. Because of uh, editing, I don't ask to write from, from scratch. I can ask, but I can get very generic and journalists will never publish uh, this nonsense. But I want to ask about technical optimization. How you use uh, ChatGPT or BART or any other AI tool to get right results? <laughs> Basically using the same sort of concepts not getting it to start from scratch but using it to just help me so it might be that i need chat gpt to to generate a spreadsheet formula that'll help me to figure out what i need in this piece mm. of data or the, or the same with regex like you know I, I want a regex filter that i can add into google search console that'll give me these certain keywords that that fit this criteria um, I've also used it to give me some top level insights um, for like benchmarks and that sort of thing. But definitely for, for the most part, yeah, it's, it's using formulas and that sort of thing. Um, the only thing with that is same with content, you need to check it because sometimes it can give you really long formulas that actually a short one would, would do. So definitely do your due diligence. Do your due 
I can't say that. Do your due diligence um, and double check that the formulas make sense. Try them out on some other data before implementing it on yours and make sure that it is actually as sensible as, as it can be and that's actually going to do what you want it to do. You don't want to implement it on anything and then lose the old data, which I've seen happen with, with some databases. So just check everything. And that's that's the key with any AI tool, isn't it? Is don't trust it 100%. Use it to help you to do your job, but don't use it to replace you doing your job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it, got it. Uh, let's talk about programmatic pages. And we create a lot of such pages by using AI, but we don't create these pages uh, without checking manually. I mean, like, of course, if we create million pages, we don't check them, but we check a few pages. It's enough to understand that uh, all other pages uh, have high quality content. And uh, uh, I think Google loves AI content if you uh, can create with AI valuable content quality content it's possible but i want to ask uh, how to check million programmatic pages uh because it's tough uh, by using tools uh and um, if you have any experience on that i mean like if we create plus million pages uh programmatically so uh, give tips how to check all of them or probably some part of these pages and to uh have this summary if everything is fine <laughs> it's not something that i have a huge amount of experience in within within programmatic but i would uh, start with starting out with a really good template that you know is is logical and that is based mm -hmm. on on research of of data but also real users you know what's their experience what is it they're looking for and how are you looking to fulfill the intent that they have with your pages then once you've built them out, once they've been uh, called and indexed, I'd look at my top 10, say, uh, performing pages and see if there's any differences between them and your other pages that are not performing as well. Is it just generic content that's exactly the same on each one and the only thing different is Manchester and then you've got the same content, blah, 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 London. Is, is that the only difference or is there something else that you can apply that'll be slightly more manual? to do that but then that way you're only checking like 10 20 pages at a time rather than millions and then that's something that's that's more scalable and it's also going to be it's going to have that human element that's that's going to make you stand out as well so by focusing on your top performing pages figuring out what works with those and, and applying it to to your lesser performing pages and then you can use that to create an even better template so that then you can then apply that to everything and update all of them at once yeah makes sense why not yeah it's a good idea to check what uh which pages can get traffic on google search console to analyze them i mean like or choose any other pages yeah uh, love it love it nikki let's talk about mistakes uh i made a lot of mistakes in seo i keep doing them uh i don't know how to figure out what actually works without doing mistakes uh but it's the way to acquire experience i have no idea how to do it in the right way i can learn from courses i can learn on youtube google but without doing nothing you can get nothing uh and uh, can you list mistakes that we can avoid i mean like okay uh webmasters uh can learn from some mistakes and avoid them some mistakes we need to do to learn from them so <laughs> if you have a list mistakes that we can avoid let us know <laughs> Common mistakes, anything. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think 
mistakes is how we all learn and and no one's perfect and no one's meant to be but you know by by making these these mistakes that's how we learn to avoid them in the future so it's not it's not a bad thing that that they happen as long as you then don't make them a second time right so you got things like uh, mobile optimization hopefully that should be pretty standard these days but i do still see it happening on on some client sites where they they'll they'll come to me with like a new website design and it's they don't have any differences in the mobile design they've just got the one desktop design completely forgetting the fact that most of their audience use mobile devices so that huge carousel image at the top isn't going to work well on on mobile it's going to be absolutely tiny and squashed and but they think that that doesn't matter because the CEO only looks at the, the website on a desktop therefore that's all that matters but it, it's absolutely not the case you need to make sure that the right people are involved and that you are keeping mobile in mind it's a mobile first index after all mm-hmm. yeah also like similarly on on that you know make sure that you're testing it on different browsers as as well as mobile browsers but you know test it on safari test it on chrome they do look different and they do behave differently so actually is is it looking as it should on all of these different browsers or, or are there issues that that you need to look out for mm-hmm. yeah another one is like making sure that you've got good calls to action within the content whether you're an e-commerce store or a service-based business if you've not got any calls to action on that website how do you expect people to convert if you're just going to have all the information on there and then that's it, then you might as well just be like a newspaper because certainly nobody's going to yeah. do what you want them to do and then you're not going to make any money, basically. And that's what most websites are, are trying to do, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Keeping the content updated is is another big issue. People just seem to think that they can just create content once and then basically forget it. But no, you need to make sure that it's continually updated. It has the latest information. Otherwise, you're going to have incorrect or misleading information that's only going to look bad on on you and your brand. A common one is also like people just leaving large numbers of 404s on their website and thinking that it doesn't matter. It does, because not only is it bad for uh, for your audience, they have a really bad user experience if they come across a large number of 404s, but it makes a difference for search engines as well, because if they keep coming across all of these 404s or even similar errors, server errors, whatever it might be on your website, they're going to start to think, okay, this website isn't very well monitored. It's not very well maintained. A lot of the pages that I find are missing, therefore it's probably not very good. And they'll start to rank that website lower in search engines, which means that it's going to then rank its competitors higher in search engines. So 404s and other similar errors, errors they have a lot of other uh, repercussions than, than what you might think and, you know, things like that. But, you know, just just keeping a constant eye on things, other things is people not actually analyzing the results. You might not think that it's that it's a tech SEO mistake, but it, it is. If you're not tracking your the results from things that you fixed, how do you know it worked? How What if it didn't work, but you're not tracking it, so then actually your performance has gone down? These are all things that you really need to make sure that you're taking into consideration, because otherwise, how are you going to learn from it? And make sure it doesn't happen again if it is a mistake or if it's something that's good. How are you going to know that it works so that then you can try it again or do it with with a different client but also like um another common one again you spoke about uh, links when you were talking about the the migration that you had reclaiming or updating broken links is another really powerful one and this goes for whether it's a migration or not links do get broken over time that can be because you've got a couple of pages that have updated but the the link's been removed or perhaps the journalist that was linking to you they've updated their their content and accidentally took your link out of it. 
you can reach out to them and just be like, hey, like, you know, this link has gone, but it's still relevant to the article that you've got. You might add it back in. And chances are it will. Or it might be that the link's still there, but it's broken because your URL has changed and it's, it's a 404 or that it's now pointing to a page that's not the one that you want it to. So again, you can add in that redirect or just message them and say, you're already linking to our website, but actually, can you change that link to this one instead? And you'll find that, that that'll have a really big impact. And there's there's plenty of of mistakes that that people can can make and may not even think they're mistakes. And you know, you're talking beyond your your more typical ones that you might come across, like sitemap issues not being uh, not containing the the right URLs or including a disallow everything within your robots.txt. There's so many more that that you can come across. I mean, I've got a few blogs on it on um, on my websites that talk about these and, and how you can avoid them. And there's there's plenty of other great resources out there that can that can help you keep track of these as well. Nice, love it, love it. Valuable, so valuable. And Nikki, I still have a lot of questions to you, but uh, I hope uh, everyone who can listen this episode can follow Nikki on social media to learn, keep learning because it's tough to ask uh, all questions in one podcast <laughs> uh, and many new things are coming fast. We need to update what we have. And if something works today, doesn't mean it will work tomorrow. But anyway, I want to ask the last question about the future. You know, uh, uh, I'm not sure about the future of SEO. And let me explain why. I, th- I think like uh, when featured snippets or other blogs on Google appealed, uh, many webmasters started to complain that Google can steal our content uh, and uh, users uh, don't click to websites. Uh, I think. When uh, ChatGPT and other AI tools appealed, uh, these tools just rewrite our content without in, even linking to us. <laughs> so, webmasters, we will miss this day when feature snippers <laughs> uh, link to us. Uh, and I'm not sure about the future because 12% of users today use more often AI tools, including me. I can ask a lot of questions. On ChatGPT, uh, I speak with this tool more often than with my wife. I love this tool. I can spend time uh, with this tool. You know, a lot of great uh, uh, answers. Um, and um, uh, I switch my attention uh, more often from Google because uh, what I like on this format that I can get the answer to my question. But on Google, I can get content. I need to research the answer uh, on my question on this content and loan questions uh you know ai tools can provide much better results with long questions for example when i ask on chat gpt uh, can i use tesla self-driver feature in florida i got this answer for a few seconds and that was tough to find answer on google so i got a lot of information about tesla about electric cars why we need to save this world of course we need to save this world of course uh we need to have electric cars but I don't need it. <laughs> I need just answer to my simple question. And that is why it's popular. Uh, I'm not sure about the future, uh, but I know it's important to adapt. Whatever happens, we need to adapt. So uh, that is why I disagree when someone can tell SEO will never be dead. Everything has the end, including SEO. Uh, but uh, today it's still a powerful channel that brings more traffic than any other channel. Uh, it takes time to change habits, uh, but uh, I want to, anyway, I want to ask you, 
your prediction about the future and how we can ad adapt to this possible future? SEO isn't dead. It's not going to die. It's just going to change. Um, it's it's already changed within you know the past five years, ten years, even more so. It's search engine optimization. It's not Google optimization. Yes, Google is the biggest, of course, but there's so many different search engines that we can use. YouTube is obviously you know like the second biggest search engine. You've got TikTok, who's now a massive search engine, and more and more people are using that to research. I've seen quite a few people, including uh, me and my wife, when we were on um, on our holiday, we went into TikTok and we were like, Baker is near me. And then we were looking at real users that had posted their content of a really nice bakery with, you know, beautiful pastries on there. And I wouldn't have found the same sort of answers on Google. You're right. The same as with, with, your, t uh, with your Tesla example. But these are all still search engines and we can all still use them. The same with App Store optimization. The App Store, whether it's Apple or Google Play, they're still search engines. So it could be that we just, you know, play more, uh, place more attention on those sorts of search engines rather than Google. But also Google itself has changed. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's more zero click searches now, especially if you're in certain industries like uh, flight. You can book a flight right on the SERP without leaving. And of yeah. course, that's not the only example. But you're absolutely still going to need websites and you cannot fully trust these other tools, especially with the likes of ChatGPT when it comes to things like health searches or anything else that's, you know, um, more regulated. If I type into Google, like I've got a pain in, uh, type into ChatGPT, I've, I've got a pain in my head. What do I do? That's probably going to come, come up with the answers that Google had like 10 years ago where it thinks that I've got some sort of bad disease and I'm going to die within a week. This is what Google has really improved with. You know, it's not just worst case scenario now with those sorts of health searches on, on Google. It'll say, you know, you're probably fine. Just have some paracetamol. And it'll be, you know, the NHS or other reputable websites that provide this information now, not just Nikki's health blog with lots of wrong information on there. But we don't know always where ChatGPT is getting that information from. So it could be out of date. It could be untrustworthy. So you're always going to need websites and reputable websites for that sort of information. But, you know, obviously it's not just health websites that have this. There's plenty of other industries where you're always going to need that as well. And also things like what if the rule about the Tesla in Florida changed today? What if the, the governor or the mayor was suddenly put a rule in? It's like they're all banned. That might be updated in Google really quickly because it'll be all over the news. But ChatGPT is not going to have that information yet because they need still to crawl it and update it and put that into their little index and do it that way. So it, it depends what information you're looking for as well, because it's not going to be as timely as the likes of Google. So I, yeah. I think we'll be fine. We, we just need, need to keep adapting like we've always done as um, as search marketers. Yeah, I think ChatGPT don't uh, doesn't use real data, but Bart uses. <laughs> so <laughs> I check Bart, you know, such questions if it's uh, time sensitive. And uh, but I agree, completely agree. <laughs> we still need websites. And I think even if we lose SEO traffic, we still need website speed. We still need high quality content. SEO can teach how to increase website speed, how to create high quality content that will work at any environment. So, um, and it's important to build your brands as well. Uh, yeah. And if you're, if you're like an e-commerce website, Google Touchwood isn't going to take any of that away because it can only do so much in the e-commerce space. Yeah. 
So like e-commerce websites, I think you're fine. And plus, especially if you're a smaller brand, because there's more and more people now that are that want to shop small they want to buy local they're sick of buying from people like like amazon myself included i know i said at the start of this that i spend too much money on on amazon and i do i want to shop small so there's things like that where you're always going to need a search engine to to find them and you know that's that's where the real strength comes in especially in in e-commerce because you can refine your searches within that and google can't take that away Nice, nice. Love it, love it. Nikki, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. I love this experience. You you are so kind to share this value bombs. I need to spend time to figure out how to implement them. You know, I love this experience. Thanks so much. Uh, guys, you can find links to uh, Nikki uh, LinkedIn profile, um, to social media in the description to this podcast. Thanks again, Nikki. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. Tell the best way how to reach out to you, how to cooperate with you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, check me out on on Twitter, uh, Nikki R. Halliwell. You can visit um, my website at NikkiHalliwell.com. Also, make sure you check out the agency I work for, which is Journey Further. We're doing lots of amazing stuff. We can certainly help you guys out. You'll find me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, just type in my name, Nikki Halliwell. And um, I've got a tech audit site as well. If you're looking for, for a tech audit, I'd love to help. It's just techseoaudits.com. Yeah, nice. Guys, you can find all these links uh, to Twitter, X today. Um, I see Elon Musk didn't break your heart. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he needs more time probably. <laughs> so, I still call yeah. it Twitter. I, I can't call it X. It's still Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, Twitter, X, LinkedIn, website, you can find in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, and see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Unmiss. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.